those of you that don't know me, I'm Kenny Malgren, and I'm the Weekend Experience Team Lead. And for those of you that know what that is, please see me after the service so that you can fill me in on what I'm supposed to be doing here. Um, so, no, I'm just kidding. But uh, I get the amazing opportunity to complete our Unchained series. And wow, I mean, it's been such a great series. We've had the opportunity to hear from so many people's hearts. And just to put this in a, a little bit of perspective for you, we started this series May 21st. And uh, we've gone from just being online to going to drive-in services. Who caught a drive-in service? Woo-woo! Right on. And then uh, we, got, we are back in the building now. We've got kids ministry going at Barker and Otis. And uh, let me tell you, God has not stopped. I'm sorry, COVID has not stopped God and the church, right? I mean, we can continue to see God working through Valley Real Life. So can we just take a second and thank God for that? <clears throat> Amen. See, really, we can choose to focus on the negatives of the season, or we can choose to see that God is continuing to work, and it's all about our perspective, and that's what really we're going to be talking about tonight is specifically our perspective in contentment. So as we continue to look in Philippians 4, if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and take those out. If you've got your Bible apps, awesome as well. Um, Go ahead and open those with me. If not, no worries. It's going to be on the screen for you. Philippians 4, verses 10 through 13 says this, how I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know you have always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or with little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Man, so Paul is telling us he's got this secret, and I promise you it's nothing like Victoria's, okay? So it's nothing like that. Here we, I mean, we have these words from Paul, and if we think back upon the life that Paul lived and what he's been through, I mean, he's literally writing this letter to the Philippians in prison. I mean, this dude's been beaten for spreading the gospel. He's been stoned, like not the Washington kind of stoned, right? Like he's been shipwrecked, I mean, he's gone from like having everything to nothing, from these super high highs to these very low lows. I mean, probably lows that none of us would ever be able to experience in this life. And yet he's saying he has this secret to being content in every situation. When I think of Paul, I think, you know, in all that he has accomplished, I can't help but to think if Paul were to take the Enneagram test, the personality test, he would definitely be a three. I mean, he would be the competitive achiever. Has anybody taken the Enneagram out there? Yeah, a few. Where are my threes at? Come on, come on, give me a shout out. Cup, okay, like one, two, three. Okay, all right, we got three, right on. See, I'm a three, and when I read Paul's words, it inspires me to learn what it means to achieve this secret, this, this, to achieve this incredible perspective of being content in every situation. And, and really, what it does is it wrecks me as an achiever because I know that I am not even close to having the same perspective that Paul has in my own life. I mean, us competitive achievers, like, we like to be the best, right? We like, we like to be the best. And, you know, Paul's words makes me feel like I've barely crossed the starting line uh, to this lifelong marathon of learning the secret to being content. Now, I, I did the Ironman triathlon a couple of years ago, and uh, I was about mile 90 on the bike, and I was going up this really steep hill, and this thought overcame me. I mean, it overcame me. I still have to run a marathon after this. 
And I was like, oh, you know, and like these words from Paul are just kind of like, makes me feel like I'm still on the bike and like the hardest part, I haven't even started yet, right? And, you know, by the way, have you ever heard Dan like say he hates me from stage for getting him into triathlon? Like, you know, he, he's, you probably might have heard him say that, you know, and he says it's because I got him into triathlon, but, you know, Dan can be very competitive and I think he really hates me because I can beat him. I mean, I can beat him. And, uh, you know, maybe not out of the water, because that guy is a fish when it comes to swimming. But Dan, let me remind you of the great prophet Vin Diesel in Fast and the Furious. Okay, he says this, it doesn't matter if you win by an inch or a mile, winning is winning. Boom! All right. Anyways, back to Paul. I can't even fathom the things that Paul has lived through, and yet he continues to tell the Philippians that he's content. Like, he says he knows how to live on almost nothing or with everything. And I'm thinking, Paul, like, okay, our idea and your idea of everything is probably very, very different, right? Like, when I think I have everything, like, I think, like, okay, like, wait, Paul, you never got to experience a delicious Chipotle burrito bowl. Hey, that is everything when it comes to lunch. Or maybe it's a slice of pizza for you, right? Or maybe, like, you know, Paul, you never even got to experience, you know, going hundreds of miles in a matter of minutes on a plane. Like, the way that Paul traveled back in the day, that would have blow his mind, right? He never even got to experience driving in an electric car that would take you from zero to 60 faster than you could say horsepower, Right? I mean, like, when I think about that, I'm like, I've got it way better than Paul. Like, I've got it way better than Paul, yet I find myself wrestling with being discontent all the time. Anybody else with me? I mean, I've got it so much better. I mean, you're, do you remember your first car? My first car was a 1989 Toyota Tercel, and she was a beaut, all right? <laughs> she was nicknamed the Blue Bomb, all right? And I mean, seriously... There was nothing I wanted more than that car. I paid $500 for it, and I found this new found contentment because I found a newfound freedom that I had in this car. I mean, there was nothing I wanted more than to drive that puppy around, and seriously, you could hear me coming from miles and miles because the muffler was broken. But, you know, I was content with this car because it unlocked a piece of freedom for me. I mean, she was legal. She was mine. Well, barely, barely legal. I mean, I did actually uh, get pulled over on my way to church one time. I was heading there in the morning. I was on the worship team. All of a sudden, them blue and, and red lights were flashing behind me. And I'm like, what in the world's going on? Like, okay, all right. And so the officer comes up to the door, and he's, you know, I'm like, officer, I wasn't speeding. Like, what's going on? He goes, yeah, I'm giving you a ticket uh, for... Uh, what did he call it? Obstruction of rear view. I'm like, what? Obstruction of rear view? Well, I guess at that time I did have like 30 or 40 snowboarding and skateboarding stickers on the back windshield. So uh, I did get a ticket. I'm like, officer, come on. I'm on my way to church. And he's like, "Mm," he didn't buy it because I had long hair and skater clothes and you know, whatever. But the car was mine, right? I love that car because I received that freedom from the parental taxis and the constant nagging of my friends to come pick me up. And then one day, Bobby, Bobby pulls up in a nicer, newer car. And I'm thinking, he went and saw Mitch, your dealer for the people. You get a nicer, newer car. You know what I'm saying? Tangent. Woo! Wee! Right? But Bobby, he pulls up in this sweet new ride, and I think, wait a minute. Your car has AC. Your car has cruise control. Your car's got all the paint on it. Like, and a muffler. That's incredible. Right? And suddenly I found myself being discontent in my newfound contentment. See, my perspective shifted from the miracle of my freedom 
to wanting AC and Bobby's big bump and sound system, right? See, my car was only a piece of this contentment pie that I was feeling, but the real miracle was the freedom that the car gave me. But suddenly, I lost perspective because of Bobby's new fancy car. But could it be that Paul is telling us that this secret to being content is a constant perspective on the things of Christ and not the things of our selfish nature? This reminds me of a passage in Numbers, and it's where the Israelites have, have... been brought out of Egypt and, and brought out of slavery, and they found this new freedom and, uh, uh, from Pharaoh, and God continues to provide miracle after miracle after miracle for them. I mean, like, he's just saying, I'm with you always, and I will be your provider. And, and so, like, he provided an angel and a cloud of fire for their protection. He made bitter water into sweet water so that they could drink it. And they also had this miracle of manna, a food that God provided every single day. And God provided just enough for everybody to have one, like what they needed for that day. And he would continue to provide it day after day, these miracles. And so let's pick up in verse 4, Numbers chapters 11, verse 4. Then the foreign rabble who were traveling with the Israelites began to crave the good things of Egypt. The people of Israel began to complain. Oh, for some meat. We remember the fish that we used to eat in for free in Egypt. And we had all the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions, and the garlic that we wanted, but now our appetites are gone because all we see is this manna. It's easy for us to look at this situation and go, you dirty, selfish, smelly Israelites. Like, how dare you be discontent with this manna? By the way, I'm pretty sure that everyone in the Bible was smelly. Like, I have a thing with smells. Anyways, tangent. So, I'm thinking, you guys, Israelites, the Lord brought you out of slavery. He's performed all these miracles in your life. Don't you realize that your family is safe? The God who delivered you from Pharaoh is your constant provider and your protection, yet you're focused on the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks. I don't even know what that is, but I'm sure it smells bad. Like, oh, for some onions and some garlic. Like, talk about smell. These people just wanted to go to the White House and eat, but the White House wasn't on God's menu. They were no longer content with the daily miracle of the manna. See, they lost their perspective, yet I find myself in this modern-day situation all of the time, right? Like, my first car gave me that freedom that I longed for, yet how easy was it for me to be distracted by Bobby and his car, right? Like, we lose our perspective. We get distracted by someone else's stuff or our selfish desires or our friend's success or we feel pity on ourselves because we don't have X, Y, or Z, but they do, So we get comfortable and discontent living in our everyday miracle. And if you don't think that you are living an everyday miracle and you call yourself a believer in Jesus Christ, I have good news for you. You have been made right in the eyes of God by being included in Jesus Christ. And that is an everyday miracle that we as followers of Christ get to live in every single day. See, our forgiveness of sins through Christ is a perspective that we need to have every single waking moment of this life. Amen? So we have to unchain our contentment from the things of this world. We have to unchain our contentment from the things of this world. See, we'll continue to be prisoners in our own vicious cycle of discontentment if we do not shift our perspective towards Christ and the everyday miracle that we are living in. This kind of reminds me of a story in Luke where a paralyzed man 
um, had heard that Jesus healed people and his friends heard. And so they said, we got to get our friend to Jesus. And so they took this paralyzed man and they brought him to the city where Jesus was. And, and Jesus was at this house, but it was super crowded. And so what did his friends do? They adapted and they got up on the roof and they hoisted him up. And I'm still to this day baffled by what they did for this guy. And they punched a hole in the roof and they lowered him down right in front of Jesus. In Luke 5, 20, it picks up saying this, seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man, young man, your sins are forgiven. And I'm pretty sure all of his friends are like, uh, what, uh, <clears throat> Jesus, um, did you not see the ropes? The, like the dude, he's paralyzed, he's not moving. Um, did you mean to say healed, not forgiven? He said forgiven. But verse 21 says, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the religious law said to themselves, who does he think he is? That's blasphemy, only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew what they were thinking, so he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? And right at that moment, you think that Jesus would have just done a mic drop, because that was an awesome answer. But we have to remember that Jesus had not defeated death yet. So he goes on to say, so I will prove to you that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And immediately as everyone watched, the man jumped up, picking up his mat, and he went home praising God, and everyone was gripped with a great wonder and awe, and they praised God, exclaiming, we have seen amazing things today. You see, Jesus had a perspective of eternity, not the here and now, not the flesh and blood, not the things of this world. I mean, the Pharisees, like, they didn't even care about this man. All they were concerned about is trying to trap Jesus. But Jesus immediately responds and says, which one's more important? Which one costs more, forgiveness or healing? Which one is eternal? Which one matters most? See, Jesus' answers all along was the forgiveness of sins and being right in the eyes of the Father. That is what he's saying is paramount. But he displayed his power anyways because he wants them to know that the one who has the power to heal has the authority to forgive. The one who has the power to heal has the authority to forgive. See, Jesus' perspective was on forgiveness, not healing. It was kingdom-focused. He knew he was there to do his father's will. His mindset was on eternity. He says, forget about the leeks and the garlic and the onions and remember that you are a forgiven child of the most high king. The crowd went off proclaiming that they had seen amazing things today and they are right. But I think they had no idea because our God, Jesus Christ, was about to perform one of the most amazing displays of love that this world has ever seen. The most amazing display of love See, the same guy performing the miracles of healing would be the same guy that is nailed to a Roman cross dying for our sins so that we could be made right in the eyes of God. And I think if they knew what we knew now, they'd have a different perspective on that miracle because truthfully, they hadn't even come close to seeing Jesus' love yet. They hadn't even come close. But we have. We know the story Jesus exclaimed, it is finished, and he was buried, but on the third day, he beat death, and he raised to life so that we could be included in Christ Jesus and made right in the eyes of the Father. People, let me tell you, I have seen amazing things today because I am included in Christ. I am above ground, and I still have breath in my lungs, and I realize that because of that, my God is not done with me yet. I am a living and breathing miracle, and let me tell you, so are you. So are you. You see, Christ-like perspective 
is the only way to achieve true contentment. Christ-like perspective is the only way to achieve true contentment. Back to Philippians, Paul ends the chapter with this in verse 19. He says, And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Paul took his cues from Jesus. He understands that if we focus our minds on a Christ-like perspective, that being forgiven and included in Christ is paramount, that God will take care and supply all of your needs from his glorious riches. And how do we have access to these glorious riches? It's through Jesus Christ. Jesus is saying that forgiveness and inclusion in him is the most important thing. It's more important than you being healed. It doesn't mean that he won't heal you, but it's not as important as you being made right in the eyes of God through Christ. We often wake up every day living in our stress and our anxiety that this life brings. We can get caught up in in taking advantage of God's grace, seeing things through a lens of discontentment because of the things that we need. I mean, honestly, Lord, there's some times where, Lord, I need a job. Lord, I need food on the table. Lord, I need my children to behave for one day. Lord, I need peace in this situation because I don't think I'm going to be able to get through it if I don't. Lord, I need healing. Lord, I'm waiting on my miracle. But if we look at the perspective of the paralyzed man, we all thought his miracle would be healing, but truly his miracle was his forgiveness of sins. His miracle was the kingdom. His miracle was eternity. In Matthew 6.31, it says this, Jesus Jesus says, don't worry about these things, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows what you need. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything that you need. As we close, I wanna leave you with this thought. Don't let your contentment waver by focusing on the leeks and the garlic and the onions. Unchain your contentment from the things of this world and shift your perspective to Jesus. Tell yourself every day that you are a living and breathing miracle that you are known and included in Christ as a child of the Most High King, that you are highly favored and filled with the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Do not conform to the patterns of this world. Do not let your discontentment overtake the miracle that you are living out every day. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind and choose to walk in the footsteps of Jesus to seek first his kingdom and to live righteously. And just as Jesus promised, he will provide everything that you need. It is through Christ and only through Christ that we can achieve true contentment in every season of this life. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, Lord, thank you for showing us what's paramount. God, thank you for showing us what's most important. Lord, thank you for making a way for us to be made right in the eyes of our heavenly Father. And God, I pray, Lord, that you would teach us how to shift our perspective to the things of you, to the things of your kingdom, and not to the things of this world that will constantly leave us discontent. Lord, I pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.